I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my friends Rivka and Burke, and this is a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Rivka, how are you today? I'm doing all right. Still recovering, but better each day. (laughs) Good. Any invitations you've been working on that you want to share with us? Uh... Not particularly while I've been sick. I have done almost nothing. I have read my scriptures and I have done, you know, the the prayers and stuff like that. But I have not been out interacting with people. And since the thing I've mostly been working on is trying to be more open in my discussion of the gospel living and stuff like that, I have not had a lot of opportunity to do that. But today's talk is is a good reminder for me in that. And uh, so as I, as I get better and go out, hopefully there will be more to share. Indeed. And uh, if you're up for going to church tomorrow, we're recording this the day before church on July 31st. I believe we're having a fifth Sunday that is nationwide or probably worldwide on sharing the gospel in normal and natural ways. So yeah. you'll be all ready to talk about Yay. that or share comments. Fantastic. Burke, how about you? Anything uh, you've been working on invitation wise? Uh, I have actually made contact with both of the brothers I ministered to in the last week and yeah. did a little service even. So, and it is a, it's developing into relationships that I gain a great deal of enjoyment from. So even while initially, you know, I think that always feels a little bit like it's an assignment. It's kind of contrived. Um, these are great people. So I've been really happy to get to know them. So yeah, I've very oh, much benefited that. from my goal this year. Loved it. I've, I had a couple people tell me when I was Elder Scorn president, like, this this is all just made up. I'm not going to do it. It's all fake. You know, we're just checking boxes. Next time that comes up, I'm going to say, you know what? Here's the phone number. I want you to call this guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to give you a good testimony of how fulfilling your duty can turn into something organic, even though it seems weird at first. Yeah. And I know so. I've brought this up before. Even when I get like a quick text from you know, the brother who's assigned to minister to me and he's like, Hey, just checking up on your family. And I always think, you know, he's just doing this because it still feels good. It still feels yeah. good to have someone check on you. I like it. So then when I, yeah. when I feel that, you know, I'm about to contact someone else and I get that thing in my heart, that's like, Oh, it's not going to make a difference and you're going to bother them. And I'm just like, no, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And it turns out good. So I like it. It's been good. Great. Oh, I love it. Well, good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Burke, you're a shining example to the world of ministering. <laughs> I, I would not have predicted that words like that would ever come out of anyone's mouth <laughs> in relation to me, but okay, I'll take it. Uh, awesome. Well, I don't have anything new. Still working on the same things. Um, so I'll share an update for Aaliyah, Hermana Ebert. Um, she had a big change, so... She was transferred this week to an English area, so she's not speaking Spanish right now. I mean, not as part of her missionary work 
intentionally. I'm sure it comes up occasionally. Um, she, as part of her old area, was in Spanish social media and teaching English as a second language. And both of those things are not part of her new area. I believe that in many parts of the U.S. where they speak Spanish on missions, they often have areas where they spend a little time not speaking Spanish. That is anecdotal, of course. I don't, you know, know what the whole, you know, Southwest area looks like or California or whatever, but that's been my experience with friends and family. So, um, of course, she loves Spanish. She loves the people she's working with. So I think she is a little disappointed not to be doing that, but she also felt pretty strongly that her mission president was inspired and she's trusting the process and, um, and she's just going to go out there and serve to the best of her ability. Her mission president is new. You know, he's about a month in or whatever the case may be, three weeks, Mm -hmm. something like that. And she's already had a number of interactions with him and really grown to love and respect him. So she's trusting that he's getting the revelation he needs and she's going to go out there and do the best she can. So it, it, uh, most of the time I'm, you know, I'm not sitting around going like, Oh, I wish I could talk to Aaliyah, but whenever there's a big change like this, I wish I could talk to her sooner than a week later. So, you know, I'm, I'm sort of storing up all my questions for Monday for when I get to talk to her and hear how her week was. So looking forward to that. Well, today our talk is valiant discipleship in the latter days by elder Jorg Klebengat of the 70. Sorry about the pronunciation. And yeah, this is going to be a fun one to talk about. He just uh, came out firing. This guy was on fire. And uh, so he's got a lot of stuff in here to talk about. Um, Rivka, let's start with you. What was your fundamental doctrine that you pulled out of this one? Um, It's this one sentence right in the middle of the talk where he says, Zion and Babylon are incompatible. Wow. I know. I felt like that's what he was saying this whole entire talk. He gives a lot of different um, examples and, and, and we'll discuss through it. But for me, that was the central message of this talk was that Zion and Babylon are incompatible. And then he, he gives some excellent counsel for those. He says that he, this is his phrase. He says, um, if you feel caught between your discipleship and the world. Please remember that your loving Savior sends an invitation um, to repent and I will receive you. So I just, I felt like this, he makes it pretty clear who he's talking to, which is those who feel caught between their discipleship and the world, which I think is everybody at some point. So this is a fantastic talk for those times when you're feeling torn. That living in the world, but not being of the world, it gets harder every day. It does. And Babylon, good timing on that reference, you know, in the Old Testament year. So, mm-hmm. enjoyed that. I did have an important question for you, Rivka, before we go oh, to Burke here. Okay. Uh, did you have the energy to read all 49 footnotes? Um, I, I didn't read all of them. I read some of them. And a lot <laughs> of them are scripture references that I was already familiar with. But, no. Indeed. I, didn't, I didn't read all of the talks that he referenced. There are some good ones, though. If you want a list of stuff to read, that's just good. Oh. Yeah, this there's some good list. stuff in here. Hugh Nibley, there's a lot of Maxwell stuff in here. One of his books, that's actually, All These Things Shall Give the Experience is one of my favorite Maxwell books. So there's a lot of really good stuff in the footnotes. 
Yeah. I think the vast majority were like phrases from a scripture and the footnote was the whole scripture. Right. Yeah. And to me, that's one of the reasons to read the talk when they're just speaking the talk. You don't know sometimes. I mean, you can hear scriptural language sometimes, but sometimes you can't. It just sounds like part of the talk. Uh-huh. And his talk was full of quotes from scripture. Just, just. Yeah. Some of them, so. it's just like, well, even his opening paragraph was just like pulled from four different places. It's it's a powerful punch right out of the gate. I maybe should have started with that one, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it. <laughs> um but for now, let's ask Burke, what was your fundamental doctrine? Well, I actually marked the first paragraph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of. Speaking yep. of. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I could, uh, I mean, the whole paragraph is good, but I feel that way about pretty much every word in this <laughs> talk. So I'm just going <laughs> to read the end of it where he says, though some may think that mortality is a contest between God and the adversary, a word from the Savior, and Satan is silenced and banished. It is our strength that is being tested, not God's. Mm. I just, that, uh, I don't know why that hit me, because I feel like I should have already known that. I probably kind of on some level did already know that, but just to say it that way is great. So if you want to be on the winning side, you need to be with God, because his strength is what will prevail. So I love it. The footnote there is... um sort of threw me off a little bit. I was surprised. It was Hugh Nibley from a 1974 article called Beyond Politics in BYU Studies. Um, That's not a common place to quote things in general conference. Usually it's other conference talks or scriptures. Yeah. Um, So to throw in a Hugh Hugh Nibley quote there, I thought was pretty interesting, but very well phrased, as you said. Also the dichotomy brought up in there where he says, God won't force us to do good and the devil can't force us to do evil. I just, I love how those two things work (laughs) against each other. So that in some ways, when I hear that all put together, it's a bit of a gut punch because who's left in the equation? Well, (laughs) it's it's me. It's you. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So when he's talking about moral agency, he's, you know, just right out of the gate saying like, look, you got to take responsibility for what you're doing. And that's simultaneously for me, very hard. Like sometimes I want to deflect but it's also very liberating. Like, okay, well I can make better choices because I've been given the power to do so. Yeah. I I like that. You know, one of the things I thought of as I read that first paragraph was, we so often talk about this like grand battle between good and evil. And a lot of times it's like God is on the side of good and Satan is on the side of evil. But what he's saying right here is no, that's not what's happening. There's no battle there because God will win. Like there's not actually, we're not seeing which side is going to win, but the battle between good and evil that happens, it happens like how many people are alive right now? I don't know. 8 billion times a day in our individual hearts and our souls. That's where the battle for good and evil is happening. Um, and so if that's why I think the call to tie ourselves to, to God and to that winning side is so important because the battle is going to happen within us. It's going to be win or lost within us as individuals. And so if we want the good to win out in our souls and in our hearts, we have to connect ourselves with that side that has the power to win. I love it. Beautifully said. Um, I wanted to say one other thing about this first paragraph. 
I feel like there's been a a shift in the language around agency over the past, I don't know, 20 years. I feel like Elder Bednar is one of the most explicit about that and calling it moral agency and not free agency. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the first reference is Doctrine and Covenants 101, 78. And it, it says that every man may act in doctrine and principle pertaining to futurity according to the moral agency, which I have given unto him, mm-hmm. that every man may be accountable for his own sins in the day of judgment. So it was just a reminder to me that sometimes um, things get lost in language or culture or uh, you know, just mixed up with other principles or whatever the case may be. Here it is in the Doctrine and Covenants 150 years ago, moral agency. Mm-hmm. And somehow we started calling it free agency. And moral agency is just so much cleaner and clearer as, as the principle is trying to, to express. So I appreciated that reference. Yeah. Okay, well, the fundamental doctrine I marked, and I marked so many things, but here was the fundamental one. <clears throat> and this sort of summed up the whole talk to me. He said, it's down in, let's see, um, one, two, three, four, five, six paragraphs in. So trending towards the middle, the last sentence of this paragraph, he said, let us be confident, not apologetic, valiant, not timid, faithful, not fearful, as we hold up the Lord's light in these last days. And that one was the fundamental doctrine for me Number one, because it encapsulated the whole talk, which was basically, you know, we can't have our cake and eat it too. Um, Sometimes if you stand for the truth, you're going to be on the side of things where people are upset at you. But also because it's a, I think it really is a good call for me. I, I hate uh, getting in arguments with people. I hate contention. I hate even discussing, like I, I am so apolitical. I don't want to talk to anyone about politics ever because it all seems so useless to me. Um, I don't engage in any of that online stuff. And I don't think he's saying to do that, but that's what is associated with sort of standing up for these things in my mind Mm -hmm. of like, well, as soon as you open your mouth, it just, people just get upset and angry and, and, and really, I don't want any of that. I just want to live my life and and um, not be bothered, basically. And it's just a reminder to me that um, that's you know that's not what the Lord is asking of us. He wants us to stand for the truth and be confident, valiant, and faithful about it. And it doesn't mean I have to be aggressive or contentious. It can be done with love and gentleness, but. Um, it's it's not that I'm sort of hiding away from it. I just don't enjoy it. So I, I, I you know, I just avoid sort of anything that might um, lead to contention, even even if it, um, mm-hmm. even if that's not the purpose of talking about it. If that makes sense. So, anyways, it, it was just a reminder for me. You know, sometimes you have to be willing to stand for the truth, even if. Um, the consequences that follow are people not being happy with you. So, mm-hmm. so it was a good reminder for one of my personal personal uh, struggles or weaknesses. So, um, <clears throat> to open that paragraph, he said, "Should we live our religion at periscope death depth?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, that's probably a good way to describe it. Like occasionally, you just sort of like 
peek yeah. around the corner like what's going on out there nothing all right <laughs> i want to go back resonated. to my room and read scriptures yeah, <laughs> yeah. well and he's so. obviously a student of alma because he rhetorical questions all through oh, this oh yeah Oh, yes. <laughs> so I have so many like question marks out to the side in the margins. Like, great question. This is such a good question. Yeah. yeah. Or a painful question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Almost where he's like, I won't convict you, but I will allow you to convict yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so true. true. Indeed. Well, those are our fundamental doctrines. And I think that gives us sort of the, the overview of what this talk was all about. But let's get into some more details. Um, so Rivka, what else really stood out to you here that you wanted to highlight? Uh, so the ne- the very next sentence after that first paragraph, he says, in the end, we will therefore reap what our lifelong choices have sown. So what does the sum total of our thoughts, desires, words, and works say about our love for the Savior, his chosen servants, and his restored church? That is a heavy, <laughs> convicting question um, Indeed, for any of us. I was going to say, even for those who are, are living faithfully, but maybe especially for those who are trying to live faithfully, because that temptation to fall into the all is well in Zion thing is very real. You know, like, I'm trying my best. Like I talked about last time, sometimes we're like, isn't this good enough? Like I'm, I'm hitting some basic things, so I'm probably fine. And, and this question asks us to say, uh, you know, or is, is asking us, inviting us to ask ourselves, am I fine? Like where, where do I stand? And how is that borne out by the things I think every day and the way I spend my time every day and the way I prioritize what I'm bringing into my head or what I am putting out in the world. You know, it's, there's some, some deep, good self reflecting questions brought up in this talk. Yeah, completely. I, I think you could really just take a question a week and just <laughs> between the two conferences, go over one question a week and, and yeah. think, okay, how am I responding to this in my own life? Um, the phrasing there, the sum total part of it mm-hmm. just was not a direct quote, but a, but very similar to an Elder Oaks quote from mm-hmm. October 2000 conference and the talk, The Challenge to Become. Yeah. And um, I'm just going to read that because I think it adds some nuance to what um, is said in this talk or maybe some extra depth here. He says, for such, such, from such teachings, we conclude that the final judgment is not just an evaluation of a sum total of good and evil acts, what we have done. It is an acknowledgement of the final effect of our acts and thoughts, what we have become. It is not enough for anyone to just go through the motions. The commandments, ordinances, and covenants of the gospel are not a list of de- deposits required to be sorry required to be made in some heavenly account. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a plan that shows us how to become what our Heavenly Father desires us to be. So when he's asking us, what does our sum total of our thoughts, desires, words, and works say about our love for the Savior, his chosen servants, and his restored church, that part about our love is really what, you know, Elder Oaks says is what we have become. Um, So going back to Burke, um, who 
did the deposits of, uh, you know, checking on his ministering brothers and, and seeing them and so forth now has become a friend to those people. So it's just such a great example of starting with the task and ending with, you know, becoming something or someone more Christ-like. And um, I just, those quotes really complemented each other and I, I think fit really nicely together about how we live our lives. You know, we want to do those things and we want that to lead to becoming more like the Savior. So, um, Burke, what else stood out to you here? We've, I mean, we can, we can go in, in chronological order if you, if you want, there's so much here, if you want to hit the next couple paragraphs. <laughs> so the next thing in here that jumped out to me is where he says the savior's commandments, if not all if not ignored altogether, have been rationalized into meaningless by many in today's world. And so it's interesting because we're talking about how, you know, God has these expectations for us and we need to be changing and we need to be developing. And then it's like, well, why is it really so hard? And it's, because of the thing that Rivka brought up earlier, where um, Babylon and um, the gospel are incompatible. And this is part of that right here. Like, it feels hard because if you look at the world around us, all the stuff that the Spirit is telling us to do finds no justification or very rare justifications in the world around us. You know, occasionally you'll, you'll find that a scientific study has been done that shows some gospel principle actually has the the promised blessing, you know, like thankfulness tends to make people happier, you know, or a lot of things that are contained um, in that podcast we talked about before the happiness lab. And there's so much stuff in there. I was like, well, yeah, the, the gospel teaches us that, but the world's having to rediscover it because they don't believe the gospel. So it's just in interesting to me how that works out the rationalization into meaninglessness. So, yeah, I love that term rationalized into meaninglessness. Fantastic. Um, great. Well, let's keep going here. And um, I'll just, the first sentence of the very next paragraph really stood out to me. He said, the Savior and his early followers dealt with serious internal and external opposition, and we experience the same. I want to just expand that and say, every time the gospel has been on earth throughout the history of mankind, there has been serious internal and external opposition. <laughs> you only have to search the scriptures and or church history to know that. Yeah. Um, I think often of Enoch who said he was the most hated, you know, man, whatever. I don't know if it was in his time or whatever the phrasing was, but, and of course we know the result of that. He brought a city up to heaven, Zion. Yeah. Um, so it goes hand in hand, and I sometimes it feels surprising how many people within the church or outside the church are opposed to things the church teaches, and then I think, oh no, this is actually totally expected and will continue probably to increase and in, and in crescendo. So it's just a good reminder that it that it always happens that way. So, mm -hmm. um, great, Rivka, you're next. What what else do you want to point out here? Uh, oh. um, he kind of goes through a list of things that the savior has said would happen during our day, um, or ideas that would be embraced. And it was, I, it was good for me to read through them and think about, ways that I have seen or places where I have seen these ideas taught. I think that's a really good exercise because it helps me become more familiar with them. If they're 
couched another language or kind of prettied up sometimes. So some of the things um, that he said, um, he said, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers. And that many shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Do you not lament that in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men? Did he not warn that of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them? Did he not foresee that evil would be called good and good evil, and that a man's foes shall be they of his own household? (laughs) I've heard all of those things. I've experienced all of those things. Um, And so that was good for me this week to think through that. And and again, like you said, to, to recognize that the, they bring me sorrow sometimes, and the remember the remembrance that these are expected um, outcomes, and that our heavenly Father has a plan. <laughs> he knows this is here. He knows that there are people embracing these ideas. He he knows and has taught us how we can combat embracing those ideas, and he has a plan to help and redeem those who are currently struggling. Um, with belief in those different ideologies. Um, And then he also, um, Elder Clivenga also said, consequently, while some would prefer a God who comes without commandments, let us boldly testify in the words of Elder D. Todd Christofferson that a God who makes no demands is the functional equivalent of a God who does not exist. That's a powerful statement too. And one one that I've heard expressed, like the desire for a, a God who has no demands or anger in, in a God who would have demands on his children. And um, that's, a, that's a powerful thought from Elder Christopherson that a God who doesn't make demands is the functional equivalent of a God who does not exist. So maybe that's a, a first way of getting people to reject the idea of a God is to first make him basically powerless or meaningless and then it's easier to let go of the idea that there is a god i don't know this is this is a big like there are a lot of big ideas in this talk that he brings up and that i think are really um worthwhile to to sit with and and look at and try to identify places um or groups or people who are preaching these things that are untrue. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I I love that quote from Elder Christopherson. Your um, reference there to um, anger and demands from a, from a God above actually being an expression of love. That was a, uh, maybe it wasn't intentional. Maybe it was it sounded like a reference to something your dad said on the follow him podcast, actually. Oh, it wasn't intentional, but okay. <laughs> well, the apple, you know, doesn't fall far from the tree, I guess. Um, <clears throat> um, so let's pause here for a moment and put this into these, as you said, those are big ideas. Yeah. Um, and, and he is like just driving forward with all these questions, <laughs> really challenging us. It's that- so Burke, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Rivka. Say, I don't know if you guys seen this is a movie reference, so yay for Leah. It's not a cartoon, but it's Muppets. Um, Muppets from Space, I think, is the Muppets film that it's from. But there's this scene where 
Miss Piggy is trying to get in somewhere and, and the security guard is like knocking her down and she keeps getting up and going, is that all you've got? And he hits her again and she's like, is that all you've got? Back and forth, <laughs> up and down the picture. And I felt like that was this talk for me. Like just, <laughs> oof. And I'm like, back, is that all you've got? And he's like, no. Oof, here you go again. <laughs> <laughs> this whole time I read the talk, that's what I was picturing was that scene from Muppets from Space. There you go. Uh... Well, I don't believe Aaliyah has seen that, so we'll throw in I know one Aaliyah has seen, which is uh, Captain America just saying, I can do this all day. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Same um, idea. So, so, Burke, let me ask you this. So, let's say you're reading this and you, you know, you understand what he's saying and you hear the words, but you're struggling with a point of doctrine or... Um, a teaching that maybe he's obliquely referencing. So let's let's make it real. So let's say you just really disagree with the teachings of the church, which they are are reaffirming. You know, frequently we just heard a talk two talks ago from Elder Oaks about gender and the eternal nature of gender and marriage between a man and a woman, and you just feel that that's incorrect. That the modern you know viewpoint on on gender fluidity and LGBTQ issues is more correct and more compassionate and therefore maybe even would be endorsed (laughs) by the savior in the modern day. So how do you square those things up or what do you do if you're sitting here between these two, you know, the unstoppable force of elder Clemengat and the immovable, movable object of your, your beliefs on these things. What do what do you do? Well, so I would probably just continue to read the talk because he says, while many believe the Lord and his church condone doing whatsoever heart desireth, and I'd be like, yes, yeah, this seems right. He would say, let us valiantly proclaim that it is wrong to follow a multitude to do evil because crowds cannot make right what God has declared to be wrong. And then I think, well, that sounds kind of unfair. And then he says, oh, remember, remember how strict yet liberating are the commandments of God. Teaching them clearly may at times be seen as an act of intolerance. Let us therefore respectfully demonstrate that it is not only possible but essential to love a child of God who embraces beliefs different from our own. And for me, this is one of my prayers because I love the gospel and I love what it teaches. And I also want to be able to demonstrate love to others. And being able to do that is a gift from God. For me anyway, it's not something I was naturally born with. And I'm not 100% there. Maybe I'm not 50% there. But I want to still embrace and love those around me who believe very different things while simultaneously being an example of those things which God does teach us. So. All right. Um, I'd like to just toss in that the yet liberating phrase uh, was his addition. Um, So... It's another reason to read instead of of listen to this this obviously you want to listen to John conference, but read it as well because he that's a subtle change from the original scripture that is profound where he says how strict yet liberating are the commandments of God so um, but yeah, thank you Burke for for that I, I think he answered that very question and I yeah. appreciate you uh, discussing that. Um, I think we're a little more than halfway through. If we keep going paragraph by paragraph, this will be a forever long podcast. (laughs) So I'm just going to encourage everybody, please go listen to and or read the rest of it. He, this is, this is straight fire as the kids say. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And there are, this is one where you could read it over and over and just keep going back to those questions and ask yourself, okay, how do I answer this? 
And Burke pointed out, um, I think before we started recording that he had a, a great talk in 2014 as well. So, yeah. so maybe go check that out. Yeah. If you master this talk, then you can go read his other one and it will give you new things to work on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I'm still working on faith and repentance, Burke. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so let's, let's transition to promises and invitations or invitations and promises. So let's go back to Rivka first here. Any invitations and promises you that st- stood out to you? Obviously, there were about a million invitations. Uh, about a million, yeah. Um, he says, well, initially quotes, no one hallowed hand can stop the work from progressing. And then he says, it will march on triumphantly with or without you or me. So choose you this day whom you will serve. There's the invitation. Don't be fooled or intimidated by the loud adversarial noises emanating from the great and spacious building. Their desperate decibels are no match for the serene influence of the still small voice upon broken hearts and contrite spirits. I love that whole paragraph. I, in fact, when I read it, I thought, how do the translators translate the power of sort of the alliterative <laughs> nature of this yeah. one? I like, think desperate decibels, but I, I loved that invitation. This work is going to go on and God's side <laughs> side quote unquote is going to triumph his his plan is going to come to fruition and so the invitation is to choose who you're going to serve again you know and the hope always to pick pick the lord's side regardless of what that may cost cost us in in ego in friendships sometimes in family relationships the Lord is not asking us to do an easy thing, but his, his life, his ministry was nothing but difficult things that were asked of him that he fulfilled. So he's not asking us to do anything he has not been willing to do. And the hope is that you will do it because, because his is the side that will triumph and please, please be on that side. I feel like that's what the, that's what the call is. Right. And in that paragraph, he went from Alma to Elder Maxwell in the span of two sentences. He just beautiful. had this beautiful yes. turn of phrase, yeah, mm-hmm. to to help us sink that point in. So, Burke, how about you? What invitations and promises did you pull out here? Oh, there's so many invitations, but I'm going to just go ahead and read right near the end here where he quotes President Nelson and says, True disciples of Jesus Christ are willing to stand out, speak up, and be different from the people of the world. They're undaunted, devoted, and courageous. And I want to be all of those things, so I'm going to keep working towards that. Yeah. Fantastic. Another great reminder to me to to be courageous, something I personally need to work on. So I think uh, the only other one I wanted to add was the very next sentence, brothers and sisters, it's a good day to be good. (laughs) Uh, What a way, what a way to end the talk. And it reminded me of Star Trek. It's a good day to die. (laughs) But uh, That's what the Klingons used to say in battle, but uh, no, it's a good day to be good. It's always a good day to be good. And uh, that's my new motto. I love it. So, Well, that was a great one. The next one is called Conversion is Our Goal by Mark L. Pace, Sunday School General President and possessor of a name that is very easy for me to pronounce. So (laughs) thank you, Brother Pace. Um, So while in the meantime, you can catch us on social media at Words of the Prophets Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook or Words of Prophets Podcast at gmail.com. So thanks for joining us today. And until next time, keep the faith. 
Hola a todos, this is Hermana Evert, and here are my thoughts on the talk Valiant Discipleship in the Latter Days by Elder Klebingat. This talk was so, so good. Oh my gosh. I cannot even express, but I will do my best. Um, so, I'm just kind of going to kind of go through chronologically in my highlights because I read this several days ago, and so I don't remember like the order of things but the first thing i highlighted was is our love for the lord and his commandments stronger than our love for anything or anyone else in this life that's a that's like an alma five kind of question like just cuts to the core like oh dang like is it (laughs) um and he says today is almost impossible to courageously live our faith without occasionally attracting a few actual and virtual fingers of scorn from the worldly so we have to love god more than the more than the consequence of or more than the lack of the consequence if that makes sense um and like in terms of virtual scorn um i'm currently in the social media um like kind of i don't even know like it's an assignment i guess on my mission um a calling you might say currently and um one of the things we do as social media is uh, run ads, and I'm not really in charge of that, but um, I have seen the person who is do it, and scrolling through like 50, 60 plus comments, or and then they like add up day by day, um, right off the bat, and like she goes through and she hides a lot of the like anti ones, and there are so many, there are so many, so it's it's true, you will you will get. Uh, virtual fingers of scorn (laughs) by living your faith but that's okay Um, he goes on to say with faith in Christ we need not fear the reproach of men or be afraid of their revilings with the savior at the helm and living prophets to lead and guide us who can be against us let us be confident not apologetic valiant not timid faithful not fearful as we hold up the Lord's light in these last days and I've been recently studying the war chapters and so of course this makes me think a lot of Moroni just like um, confident and valiant and faithful instead of apologetic timid and fearful like those are some pretty powerful words Um, reminds me of the stripling warriors or just like all the other generals Lehi and Tiancum and all those people they were, you know, strong enough in their faith to live it boldly. Um, and the next part that I highlighted is something I've been thinking about. He says, Consequently, while some would prefer a God who comes without commandments, let us boldly testify in the words of Elder D. Todd Christofferson that a God who makes no demands is the functional equivalent of a God who does not exist. And that's really interesting. And I think... Um, I was talking about this with my parents on a P-Day, but um, I think if God didn't make demands of us, didn't ask us to do things, I wouldn't appreciate it very much because I'm here to grow. I'm here to progress. I'm here to become um, as great and as perfect and as whole as I can possibly become on this earth. Um, And if no one was asking me to do that in any way, like if no demands were being made, if no guidelines were being given, if no help was being offered, it would kind of suck like a lot to be here with no way to accomplish the purpose of being here. And so, I don't know. I think it's really cool that we have a God who 
who asks us to follow his commandments and then gives us options, like ways to do it. Um, he also talks about, um, uh, what am I saying? Accepting, there we go. Accepting um, and respecting people who don't um, maybe align their beliefs with ours, like don't have the same beliefs. Um, and he says there is no need to sacrifice truth on the altar of agreeableness and social desirability because they can both coexist, um, which is really cool. Um, like we can completely love and embrace and accept someone who does not embrace and love and accept the things that we believe, you know? Um, and that's exactly what God wants us to do. Like I imagine Christ doing this and like, you know, we're supposed to follow Christ. And so we do what he does. Um, and there's another part that he was talking about how if you feel caught between your discipleship and the world, please remember that your loving Savior sendeth an invitation for the arms of mercy extended to you, and he saith, Repent, and I will receive you. And I can't remember if I talked about this on the podcast yet, but um, if Christ extends an invitation, <coughs> we can follow it. First Nephi 3 7, I will go and do because I know that the Lord giveth no commandment unto the children of men, save he provideth a way for them to do it. So. That's not exactly how it goes, obviously. But um, if if the Lord, if Christ extends an invitation, then we can do it. He told lots of people to stand up and take thy bed and walk. He told people to um, walk across the water. And they all did it, you know? So it's really just, it's all comes down to your faith. Um, not your situation, not your circumstance, just your faith. And so I think that's really cool. Um, and then the very last thing... He's talking about um, kind of how the noise of the world can overwhelm us sometimes. Um, But he says, Their desperate decibels are no match for the serene influence of the still small voice upon broken hearts and contrite spirits. And being me, the first thing I thought of was, um, uh, well, a movie. (laughs) Um, That scene in Kung Fu Panda 2 where Shen, the bad guy, the peacock, has all of his ships with all of their cannons and they're all big and loud and noisy and bright red and colorful and sparkly Um, not sparkly in like a glittery way but like firework kind of way and Poe is just in the middle of this lake and he is able to find inner peace despite um, the obvious chaos around him um Sorry that it's really loud. This is a good. This is a good application of this metaphor that I'm explaining. Um, but I was listening to a face-to-face where I think it was President Iring or Elder Iring talked about how you have to have an inner quiet to listen to the Holy Ghost, not just like a literal quiet, outside quiet. And so, and in it's possible, you know, like Poe had inner peace when cannons were being, you know, shot at him and stuff, and then he was able to turn those into. Um, his own weapons and so it is possible to hear the holy ghost and receive revelation and be be solid in your faith even in a world that um is full of noise you know so anyways i thought this was a really really awesome talk highly 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 recommend um and uh yeah go read it yourself (laughs) until next time guarde la fe
If we teach by the Spirit, and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.